let's pray and we will uh, we'll dive into the, to the message today. Father, we love you and thank you, God, so much for your love for us. Uh, thank you, uh, incredible body of believers that we get to come together every week, Lord. And we are so excited for what you've done, bringing us to this place uh, in the year 2019, God. And as we move into 2020 and beyond, God, we are so uh, excited and expectant of what you are going to do uh, through, this, uh, through this church. So, God, I just ask as we, uh, as we look into your word, God, I pray that you would challenge us, change us. Um, I pray that we would all individually uh, look at what you have to say to us today and walk out of here with a plan to grow closer to you um, throughout this year. God, we love you. We praise you. We ask for your Holy Spirit to move in an amazing way for the next few minutes. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so, how many of us grew up, you've grown up in Ohio, you've been in Ohio your, your whole life. You, you grew up here. Um, yeah, so you know... You know what this is. You know that this should actually be on the state seal of Ohio instead of corn, right? Because we know that there are only, while we get all four seasons in Ohio, and that's cool. We get a little bit of all four seasons and not really an extreme of any of them kind of do. But we know that there really are only two seasons in Ohio, right? There is winter. Those are the only two seasons that really we have. And we all have to deal with them all the time uh, because road construction is everywhere, I don't know if you feel that way, but I certainly do. Everywhere I drive, I see these. And uh, somebody actually said to me this morning, they said, you know that the reason that there's so many of them all over the road is because there's nowhere else to store them um, because we have so many in Ohio. And I was like, wow, that actually makes a lot of sense. But the idea of, of road construction and, and the detours that we have to take and, and the place that we have to get everywhere, I, I get the chance to take my kids to school and pick them up um, almost every day. And I remember about three months ago, I actually, so my house is about two miles from Norton Elementary where my, uh, where my kids go. And it took me 20 minutes to get there um, from my house because I had to take two detours. I had, I, I got on the highway and I get off and there's a detour. And then as, as awesome as uh, obviously communication is between construction crews, uh, they were doing construction on the detour road. So I had to take a detour to get around the detour, and it took me forever just to get, to, school, to get the kids to school and all of that. And I'm like, this is crazy. And it's just all the time, and it's everywhere. And it's always an adventure, because if you go down 224, you have no idea what the lanes are going to be like. <laughs> Even with what they were when you came here today, it is your, it is, you know, your guess is as good as mine as to what the lanes are going to be like when you go back home, um, straight up. It's just, it's always changing and it's always different. And my wife and I actually have a really funny saying that we've, uh, that we've been saying for a while because it's, um, you know, sometimes you just get frustrated um, as you're seeing all this. And so we just look at each other and we go, this is going to be nice when it's done. And, uh, and you know, we've been saying that for like eight years. Um, and... Yeah, and, and there's still like two more years to go because especially right where I live, like right, right off Barber Road and Barberton right there, man, it's just all the time. But, but it's funny because we, we do say that. And you know what? It is going to be nice when it's done. When it is done in 2035, it's going to be really nice. And, and, and the parts of the road that are done are nice. And here's the deal, though. While road construction is everywhere and it's all the time, and it really does seem like it's never going to end. Spoiler alert, it never will. Um, because when they get it done, they're just going to start back over. Um, but, 
The, but here's the deal. It's never convenient. We never like it, but it's always necessary. And we look at that and we go, boy, it'll be nice when it's done. And I had to step back and go, boy, does God look at me that way? Is he maybe looking at me and going, it'll be nice when it's done. <laughs> and, and I think in many ways, yes, we can say that. I think there's a lot that we can learn in terms of the analogies of that for us to maybe take a step back and look at ourselves and go, boy, it'll, it'll be nice when it's done. Um, because life with Jesus is a process that is never finished. It is a process that is never finished. And when Jesus is doing construction on us, which really is all the time, think about this. It's never convenient, but it's always necessary. And we're always glad at the end of the day when we look back and we see what God did. We're always thankful, even though it was rough and it was tough and we hit some potholes and it was never fun. But boy, now that, now that he's maybe done with that particular project, aren't we glad that we went through that? Because as, as I said, you know, God's looking and going, it'll be nice when it's finished. And those parts are nice when they're finished. Um, you know, the world has a place for things that are called, that, that we maybe look at as unfinished and they call it the trash. Uh, a lot of times we look at that and we think, you know, because we live in a society that really devalues things that are, uh, are unfinished and things that are incomplete or broken. And that includes people. Our society devalues those kinds of things. It tries to say the opposite, but let's, let's really look at, at the way things are treated. But see, when it comes to things or people that seem like they still need work, um, we get impatient. We get impatient. We don't think it's worth our time. And we move it to the side because a lot of times we look at those kinds of things and we're like, boy, it'd be easier to just like throw it away and start over than it would be to maybe fix this. And I'm so thankful that God doesn't look at me that way and that God doesn't look at you that way. Because God wants to finish. He wants to finish the project that he started with you. He, it's, it's a process that he is continually working on. And it's a process that we are continually working on as well with him. Or at least I hope that that is the case with you. Um, because if we're, if we're honest, to most of us, unfinished is not worth our time. Unfinished is not worth our time, but God sees things in a completely different way. God sees things in a completely different way, and that's a lot of what we're talking about over the course of this month. If you have your Bible app uh, or your Bibles, uh, you can turn to Colossians in, in chapter 2, um, or you can just follow along in the Bible app. There, We're not really in a specific passage today. I'm going to be bouncing around a little bit, so your best bet is to really follow along in the Bible app there. But let me start with Colossians chapter 2. It says this. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. See, this implies a process that is never finished. This implies a process that we should always be right in the middle of working on. Jesus said in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, he talked about um, how we are to go and make disciples and to teach them to obey all that he has commanded, all of his commands. And that takes time. That takes time. That's not something that can be done right away. To obey all of his commands and, and to teach those, to disciple somebody, that is a process that is never finished when we're talking about 
disciple. And all of us, if we're followers of Jesus, should be a disciple. And so then it begs the question, because we throw that word around, disciple, what, what does that mean? How would we define that? Now, I can't exactly take chapter and verse and show you exactly a defined statement for what that means, but we can take the principles that are in God's word because it talks about it all over the place, and we can narrow it down. And so I've kind of developed a statement here that is uh, in many ways a definition for a disciple, and you may want to word it a little bit differently, but all in all, this kind of brings it all together, and it's in your notes, and it's in the, uh, and it's in the app as well, um, and here's what it is. A disciple is completely committed to knowing, loving, and following Jesus. They live every day to pursue him further and share his message with the world. Completely committed to knowing, loving, and following Jesus. And there's a whole lot wrapped up in those things. And so this definition, as I said, is based on what scripture says about being a disciple of him. And so today I want to focus on the part about being committed to knowing Jesus. Being committed to knowing Jesus because that is a process that is never finished. Because knowing Jesus is a lifelong process. That's the first uh, point for you here in this, is that knowing Jesus is a lifelong process. It's not something that you're ever done with. And if you get to a place where you're like, yep, got it. I, I, know, I know everything that, that I need to know there. That's just proof that you don't, if that's the place that you're in. Because it's a lifelong process. We're never finished getting to know him. And just like all the construction that we go past all the time, we get impatient because we think it should be done really quickly. We look at those things and we're like, good grief, why is this still happening? Why are they still working on this? Why is it taking four years to get this, this particular thing done? Now, granted, I've never worked road construction. I don't know how to, how to do any of that. So I, I can stand up here and I can make jokes all day. But at the end of the day, I don't really know what I'm doing. Those guys know what they're doing. And at least I hope they do. And, and, and all of that. So I can't really stand here with any authority. Again, I can make jokes. But I can't stand here with any authority and really say that that should get done a whole lot faster. But I remember a time that I was at Disney World a few years ago, and we were going into the Magic Kingdom. I'll never forget this, and only somebody from Ohio would, would like, get this, would look at this and actually still get a little, like, really? So we're going into the Magic Kingdom, and there's a road off to the right, and they are tearing up the road, right? They've got that machine in there that, like, tears up the road, and they're grinding it all up, and you know that they're going to repave it because we all know what that's like to drive on the road that they've ground up, and you're, you know what I mean, the whole time. And, then, and generally what happens right? They grind it up, and then they just leave it for like three weeks. Um, not Disney World. Oh, no. We went in, and they're grinding it all up. We come out of the park at the end, at the end of the day. That road was done. It was paved. It was striped, and there were people driving on it, and I was mad. <laughs> I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. They did this whole road, and it, it wasn't like a stretch just like this big. Like, this was like a quarter-mile road. Do you remember that? We were so, I was like, be kidding me. You know? Now, granted, it's Disney World, right? There's pixie dust in the, in the concrete and all. I get it. It's, it's Florida. You know what I mean? So there's all of that. And, and, and I don't understand the ins and outs of what it really takes to pave a road like that and why they can get it done so much quicker and, and all that. There's different things that happen because of that. You know, they don't have to worry about salt and, and all the stuff like we do. And I understand that. But the thing is, It'll be nice when it's done, and they got it done real quick. And sometimes we look at our relationship with Jesus, 
and we look at those kinds of things and we think that it should be done like right now. What is taking so long? All of this, instead of really leaning into the idea that this is a process and kind of, I don't want to say enjoying the ride, but sort of, you know, the fact that like it just takes time. Some of these things just take time. It's never done. And knowing Jesus is something that we will never be finished with until we meet him. And it's something that we have to work on. Because if it's a relationship with Jesus, which is what it's supposed to be, if it's a relationship, if you have a real relationship, you work on it. If you have a real relationship, you work on it. Because it's never done. You don't just meet someone for the first time or start dating them or get married and be like, well, I'm done with this person. You're not going to have much of a relationship for very long if you do. Um, and some of you can maybe speak from experience in that. Um, but it's, it's just the truth that, like, you know, you need to, to work on that. Because knowing Jesus is different than knowing of Jesus. That of is a big, is a big word in between there. There are a lot of people that know of Jesus. In fact, 80% of the United States claims to be a Christian. Claims to say that, that they, you know, are a Christian, which means follower of Jesus. I don't know if I buy that. I think there's a lot of people that know of Jesus, but don't know Jesus. Dwayne Johnson walked in the back room. We would all know who he is because you all know of him. You know of The Rock. You know what I mean? He would walk in and we would know him, but I don't know him. Like, he wouldn't walk in and be like, hey, Jay. You know, like, I don't know him. I've never talked to him. Maybe some of you do. That's cool. Introduce me. But, <laughs> but we don't know. We all know of him. See, there's, that's the difference. I think there's a lot of us, stick with me here, there's a lot of us that know of Jesus, and we think that that means we know Jesus. I would challenge you to, like, ask yourself about that, um, because Jesus is a person. Jesus is a person, and to know him is to have a relationship with him. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's really hard to love someone that you don't know. It's really hard to love someone that you don't know. Loving him starts with surrendering to his plan for your life. And that's what it means to make him Lord. See, no human can really fully understand everything that there is to know about him. But life as a disciple of Jesus is about continually seeking him. Continually getting to know him more. Learning more about him. Enjoying the time that you spend with him. Intentionally. On purpose but we might be taking a detour. And so let me ask you, are you taking a detour? Are you taking a detour when it comes to getting to know Jesus and your relationship with him? And maybe, maybe you don't think you are, but think about this for a second. A detour is actually a really long way around. It's a way around to avoid something or visit someone or something else along the way. It's a way around. Sometimes it's easier because we don't want to go over the potholes and, or maybe we just can't get through because it's a big-time construction zone. But it really is a way around and it always takes longer. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe it is important to eat right, eat healthy, and exercise? Do you believe that? Say yes, they believe that. In fact, 95% of America would say that they believe that. Yes, I believe it is important uh, to eat healthy and exercise. Okay, you know what the most popular food in the United States in 2019 was? Wrong. It was the chicken burrito bowl from Chipotle. <laughs> number, number one, like, food 
in 2019, chicken burrito bowl from Chipotle. And you're like, but Jay, there's rice and there's chicken and vegetables. It's healthy. <laughs> you know what the average calorie count in a chicken burrito bowl from Chipotle is? 1,100 calories. You're like, well, I get a bag of chips too and, and a water with lemon. And so that makes it better. Chips are 570 calories. So conservatively, we're at 1,600, right, for one meal. Don't tell me that we believe it's important to eat, right? <laughs> don't get me wrong that we're going to be having that. I don't have chapter and verse. Say, but a belief, no matter how sincere, if not reflected in reality, isn't a belief, it's a delusion. Let me read that again. A belief, no matter how sincere, and it's a fill-in, and I know it's a long one, but it's important. A belief, no matter how sincere, if not reflected in reality, isn't a belief, it's a delusion. And sometimes we put ourselves into a delusion thinking certain things. Maybe you have trust issues with God. Let me ask you this, because this is kind of a hard question. Maybe the reason that you have trust issues with God is because you aren't getting to know him. Maybe you don't really know him well enough, and that's why you have some trust issues. So I went to the Art Institute of Pittsburgh, as uh, many of you know. If you didn't know that, I was there between 97 and 99, and um, I got a degree in graphic design there. And so it's a full-blown art school, at least it was. And, um, and when I was there, um, I was lucky enough to actually have a, a roommate that was a believer. And, uh, and, and that was strange, because when you're at art school, right, so I had um, my natural color hair, I had no piercings, I had no tattoos, I didn't party or, or drink or any of those kinds of things. I liked sports and I was a Christian. I was a weirdo. At art school, that makes me the freak, okay? Because everybody else there, for the most part, is the opposite of all those things. You know, the fact that I was, the Indians were in like their heyday there and I was wearing tribe stuff all the time. And granted, it's in Pittsburgh and all of that stuff too, but like nobody at art school was, they were like, yay, sports ball. And, uh, you know, um, so it, I was the weirdo. Um, because of all of that. And so when I found that there was actually a Bible study in the building, um, that my apartment building, I was like, well, maybe I'll go give it a try. And, uh, and this was really a defining moment for me in my walk with Jesus. Um, and I remember this like it, was, like it was yesterday. So I go down to this Bible study, and I was not in a good place in my walk with the Lord anyway. I was in many ways searching and asking a lot of questions and questioning my faith in many ways at that time in my life. Um, and this was a part of God kind of navigating me. Um, and so I go down to this Bible study, and there's 10 to 12 people sitting around in a circle, and, and I come in, and, um, and, you know, I'm sitting down, and I'm listening to, to what's being talked about. And, and the, the conversation starts going toward somebody's talking about how you have to be baptized to be saved, and then somebody else is talking about how, um, how you can lose your salvation. And I knew both of those were not not correct. I didn't know why, and I couldn't defend it, but I knew growing up in church, I knew that both of those things were not right, um, because you don't have to be baptized to be saved. There is no scripture that, that says that you do, and you cannot lose your salvation. Once saved, always saved. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Once you are his child, he's got you in his hand, and there's scripture that backs that up. Well, at the time, I, I, I knew those things, but I didn't know how to how to explain it. I, I just heard it. So they're talking about that, and me being the type A person that won't shut up, um, I 
I said something, and I don't remember exactly what I said, but I said something along the lines of, no, you don't have to be baptized to be saved, like that. And, it, and it, like, I remember, like, everybody's eyes, it was like the, the whole group, it was one of these, like, you know, and I'm like, what? And I just started getting attacked, and they were just drilling me, and everybody was just coming after me and ripping me apart and asking me, well, what, is, what about this? And it says this in Acts, and it says this and that, and they just started, like, and, and I had nothing. I was like, I had nothing. And I ended up just getting up and walking out and being really frustrated. And I went up to my room, and I'm questioning my faith, and I'm like, I, I, had, I had no idea how to, how to defend that. And so I go up to my room, and I call my dad um, because he was the only person I could think of to call. And I call my dad, and he, he happens to have somebody there with him, his best friend at the time. Um, and both of them are incredibly intelligent in the word and all of those things. And they walked me through what scripture has to say about those things and really kind of reaffirmed my faith in many ways in, in that moment. And I had purposed in my heart and in that time right there, that was a defining moment for me because I had de- determined right then I am never as best as I can do it going to get caught in a situation like that again where I can't defend my faith because I didn't know why I believed what I believed. And when I got caught in a situation like that, I didn't know what to say. And so I'm like, well, m- maybe, all this is, maybe all this is junk. Because I didn't know. I didn't know. So let me ask you this question. If you were cornered in, in, in a circumstance right now and somebody asked you a question about your faith, a particular doctrine or, or part, of, part of theology or, or, or piece like that, do you feel confident enough that you would be able to defend your faith in terms of why you believe what you believe? That's a hard question to ask. That's a hard question to hear. But it's the reality of the world that we live in. Because the world that we're living in gets their theology from YouTube and Google. That's, that's really where we are. Do you have the confidence that you can handle it? See, I had a lot of work to do in my life, in my relationship with God. I had a lot of work to do. And it wasn't just the head knowledge that I needed work on, which was considerable. I definitely needed that because there was a whole lot of just growing up in church and just, oh, well, this is just what I believe because that's what I heard and that's what I was told. And that is, there's a whole other thing there. Um, but there was a lot of work to do there. And, and having confidence in the Lord, having confidence in, in what you believe and why you believe it, comes down to two things. It comes down to knowledge and it comes down to faith. And so it's head knowledge, heart knowledge, but also faith through those things. Faith through those things. And so I would ask you that, would you be able to defend your faith in, in that regard? Because it might happen, especially young people that are here. It's going to happen when you go to college. It will happen. If you don't know why you believe what you believe, that's why one of our biggest principles in student ministries especially that really should be for all of us is for us to know why we believe what we believe. Because if both of those things, of knowledge and faith, are not in the process of construction, because those are things that are always being worked on. We should always be working on our knowledge and our faith. If those things aren't being worked on and they just get stagnant, one of the results of that is going to be doubt. We're going to have doubt. Now, hear me when I say this and understand where where I'm coming from on this. I believe doubt is actually an important part of your spiritual journey. I believe it's an important part of all of our spiritual journey. That may not be the most popular thing to say, but I think it's the reality of it. 
It's an important part, an almost necessary part of our spiritual journey, but it can be crippling if we attack it in the wrong way. Think about this, 46%, these are numbers from Barna, 46%, almost half the people that experience spiritual doubt, their response is to quit church altogether, 46%. That's the wrong way to react to that. Two out of every three Christians admit to experiencing a season of spiritual doubt. And so more than a quarter of Christ followers still find themselves doubting. Essentially, it's this. One in four in this, in this church, statistically speaking, who have come through this building today, one in four people are in a season or a time of spiritual doubt right now. Right now. But see, life is better connected. And if you're looking for those answers without trying to connect to Jesus and, and you're, the first thing that you do to try to solve it is to just walk away, that's the wrong way to attack it. Because we need to be connected to him and we need to be connected to others. So does that mean it's not okay to ask questions? Because I would, I would argue that one of the reasons that that many people walk away from the church when they have those times of doubt and spiritual doubt is because they don't feel like they can walk in to church and ask questions. They don't feel comfortable enough. They feel like they're going to be ostracized or they feel like that they're going to be looked at in a, in, a, in a bad way or any of those things instead of realizing that probably a quarter of the people, if not more, have some of the same questions maybe that you do and that they don't feel like this is a place that, uh, that, that church is a place that they can walk in and ask questions when the opposite should actually be true. We should be asking the hard questions. We should be digging into the word of God together. That's why this is so important. But guys, there's 168 hours in a week and you're only here once. One of those hours. What are you doing with the other 167? 167 other hours. This should be a place, a community where we can come together. We can bring our tough questions about life and faith and wrestle with them. It's why life groups and those kinds of things are so important. Because let me ask you this. If not here, where? If not here, where? YouTube? Google? If that's where you're getting your doctrine and theology, it's going to get screwed up. It, I mean, it, it really is. Neither one of those places are a great place to get that. That's why the church is God's chosen vehicle, because you can't grow spiritually without connecting relationally. Talked about that before, but it's the truth. You can't grow spiritually without connecting relationally. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Start 2020 with a goal of getting to know Jesus more. I don't care what season of life you're in. I don't care where you're at right now. But if we don't make an effort to grow and to get to know him better, then our faith just becomes stagnant. And our purpose and our mission can't truly be fulfilled. We just become this construction project that never gets worked on. I'm sure you can all think of, a, of, of one that you pass by probably all the time, and your nobody's worked on that for who knows how long. Could that be me? Could that be you? In terms of your walk with the Lord. Because we just keep taking a detour instead of working on it because, because it's too hard, and we see a roadblock, and we see what God wants, you know, we don't see what God wants to do, and God... God will just go around you, quite frankly. I don't, 
I don't want to be that. I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to be a part of God's plan, not in the way of it. I don't want to be in the way of God's plan. And if we're not growing in our knowledge of the Lord and trying to be a better disciple of the Lord, knowing, loving, and following him with all that we are, we're going to be in the way of God accomplishing the mission that he wants to accomplish through you. His mission. See, he, he finishes things. God finishes things, but he would much rather use you than to go around you. He would much rather use you than to go around you. Second Peter 3.18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So the connection point for the morning is this, that you are never finished getting to know Jesus. You are never finished getting to know Jesus. But I want to do something a little bit different. I want to do something a little bit different with this connection point. Because I think we would be remiss to walk away from this moment and from this time. Don't put your notes away. You're going to need them if you got the paper ones. And don't put your phone down because you can add to the notes right in the Bible app. I don't know if you knew that, but you can. You can add right in there and you can save it. And this is why this is important. If you don't walk out of here with an action plan, if you feel challenged by the Holy Spirit right now, don't ignore it. It's really easy to take the detour around that. Embrace the awkward for a minute. Because I want you to write your own connection point for the morning. I want you to, to really kind of respond to what the Holy Spirit is maybe saying to you right here, right now. Because for us to be the body of believers that we want to move forward into 2020 as what Connect Church wants to do, in many ways it needs to start with this simple idea of discipleship. And for us, knowing, loving, and following Jesus more. And so the second part of the connection point I want you to write, the one step I can take this week to get to know Jesus better is... What does that look like for you? And I think it's important to just write one step. You know, to, to attack it and say, I'm going to read the whole Bible before next Sunday. Like, okay. You ever heard the statement, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. What's the one bite? Because you got to take one step. What's one actionable, real step in your life that you can take to get to know Jesus better? What is God telling you? In fact, if you would, just bow your heads. I'm not going to have you stand yet. I'll have the band um, have you stand here in just a minute. But I want you to bow your head right now, and I want you to think and pray. And you don't have to close your eyes if you're writing. But what is God telling you that this connection point for you should be? Should it be join a life group? Should it be start a Bible reading plan with someone? to begin a new habit of intentionally spending time with God? And, and what does that new habit look like? I don't care how long you've been a Christian, there is always something you can do to get to know Jesus more, to get to know him better. That is unfinished and will never be finished until we get to meet him face to face. And so I wanna give you time to think that through and to write that down. And maybe, maybe you can't write it down right this second. Maybe you need to, Maybe you need to marinate on that a little bit today and you need to think that through. But I would encourage you that before the day is out to write something down. 
put it in writing, put it somewhere where you can see it. Whether it's a reminder on your phone or you hang it up on your mirror, whatever that looks like. Something that that you can see it that is an actionable, real step of getting to know Jesus more tomorrow than than you did today, than the next day, than the next day. Maybe what that needs to be is that you just need to get to know Jesus, period. Maybe you've never actually put your full faith and trust in him. Maybe you need to just get to know him because he loves you so much. He wants you to get to know him because he already knows everything about you. For you to know for 100% that you have a home in heaven with him. If you want to know more about that, if you're not 100% sure that you even know Jesus, maybe you just know of him, but you don't really know him and you want to know that for sure, I would love to talk to you today. We have people that would love to talk to you today. Come see me down front here at the end or, or talk to one of us at the orange wall. Would love to talk to you about that. Maybe that's the actionable step that you need to take today. Father, I love you and I thank you, God, so much for your love for us. I thank you that you want us to get to know you more and more. God, I thank you that you're never finished with us. I thank you that you are never finished molding us. You're never finished doing construction on us. God, it's, it's never convenient for us, but we're always glad when it's done because it's necessary. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to maybe put some things aside that are keeping us from, from writing down a step. God, and that we would, we would actually take this idea seriously of getting to know you more. Because if we call ourselves a disciple of you, then, Lord, this is a process that is going to take the rest of our life. We build in habits of getting to know you more. God, and I pray that if there is one here that doesn't know you as Savior, Father, that today would be the day. God, that maybe they would talk to the person next to them or or even come down and, and talk to one of us. God, and that maybe today might be the day that they would know for 100% sure that they're going to spend eternity in heaven with you, God, because it starts with getting to know you. Father, I pray that your spirit would just continue to move through this room as we worship you now. In Jesus' name.